Welcome to the Parenting Show with Pina Crispo from ChicMama.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday and welcome to the Parenting Show. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca. And this whole month on the Parenting Show, we're talking New Year, New You. Last week, we spoke about nutrition and some weight loss and how to feel good in your body. And today, we're taking a bit of a different angle because tomorrow, is a day that's called Blue Monday. It's known as Blue Monday, which they say is the most depressing day of the year. And every year I do a show on this because I think that talking about mental health is super, super important, especially this year, last year, as we go through and try to maneuver our way through this crazy pandemic and this life of COVID. So with me, I'm bringing on one of my good, good friends and um, guest of the show. You guys all know her. It's Dr. Michelle Cambolis. She is a mama. She's an author and she is a doctor of mind body medicine. Michelle, how are you? It's been a little bit of time. Well, thank you for having me on and I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Like everyone else facing extraordinary challenges um, going into our third year of COVID. I'm so glad that we're just discussing this topic. Everyone I speak with describes some form of mental health struggle. And so it's really important that we're talking about, you know, not only the difficulty that we're facing, the symptoms that are emerging, but also a way forward, uh, some of the tools that we can incorporate into our lives on a day-to-day basis in order to mitigate the impact of this chronic stress. It's pretty crazy to think that we are going into our third year of this. No one thought that it would, that this would happen. No, do you remember at the beginning feeling like, okay, if we just hunker down and we do the right thing, then this will blow over and we can get back to our quote unquote normal lives. Do you remember the beginning, Michelle? They're like, let's just stay home for two weeks. Two weeks. Yes. And we looked at the gift in that, that we could rest and we could um, do some, connect with our family and we could, you know, do those activities and kind of pleasurable things that had been long since ignored. And here we are three years later, very fatigued with um, chronic stress and economic implications. And to your point, seeing a, a vast increase in mental illness symptoms. A lot of people, it's, it's scary. It's scary because a lot of people are talking about Uh, how many people have lost their lives to COVID. And listen, I believe in COVID. Um, I believe that it's a a real thing. I believe in science. I believe in the vaccine. I'm vaccinated. Um, But it's, it's crazy when they talk about all these numbers when it comes to the COVID death toll, but they ignore the whole mental health side of things. Mm. Because in my eyes, mental health is also a pandemic. And one which we are not focusing on at all. Um, And it's really, really sad. 
it's really sad because people need help. They need the tools right now with COVID. If you would like, there are vaccines available that you can go and you can get. The government has set that up for everyone. However, when it comes to mental health, if you are suffering, you don't have access to therapy like you would a vaccine. And therapy is costly. So it's really, really sad when you think about that, that, you know, it's just like, okay, well, here's a shot for COVID, but you're struggling with your mental health. You could be like, you know, on the verge of a major breakdown or worse. And you don't have the tools and the coping mechanisms that you need. Yes. Support for mental illness is still a very privileged thing um, in our country. And so if you have affluence, then you have access to the kinds of supports that can be life-saving. And yet our government systems really fail to put the necessary resources into mental health supports. And so you have extremely long wait wait lists. I don't know how it is um, in, in your area, but Certainly in BC, if you uh, need a psychiatry referral, you're waiting for a year. And when you're struggling with um, thought disorder, suicidal ideation, um, extreme levels, anxiety, and you're incapacitated by mental health symptoms, you cannot wait a year for support. No, it's you need that support yesterday. I was on the CAMH website, the Center of um, Addiction and Mental Health. Mm-hmm. I was checking out some of the facts and stats, and they were saying that 70% of mental health problems have their onset during childhood or adolescence. And that made me think of all of this homeschooling that we've had to do here in Ontario. I don't know what it's been like in BC, um, but there's been quite a bit of it here in Ontario. And It kills me because I've got three little ones. Michelle, you know them. Um, Samantha's 10, Liliana's eight, Marcus is six. And these kids are just like fed up. They're tired. They don't want to have anything to do with this. And that's not, this is not the way to learn virtually. These children are learning to read and write. And now we just threw them in front of a computer. We're like, okay, type. And now, you know, figure that out, maneuver. And so the parent has to be there with them. So what about those parents? And and you said that like the the support and the coping mechanisms and the tools that people need for mental health, it's available like if you're privileged, you know what I mean? And you have the funds to go out there and get it on your own because the government's not going to help. So what about those parents who have jobs who now have to stop working because they need to be home to help their children with the homeschooling, risk losing their jobs, but they need the jobs in order to put food on the table, have a roof over their head and just provide for the family. Like that brings on so much stress. Yeah. And like, I, like for me, I am privileged enough to be able to work from home and work remotely. So you know, I could be teaching my, my classes at Humber and, you know, be running in and checking in with the kids. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? But I can't imagine what that is like for a parent that doesn't have that option. Yeah. Extraordinarily difficult. And, um, when you need to pay rent and put food on the table, 
taking time off work in order to homeschool is, um, well, it's hard to get your head wrapped around, isn't it? And so consequently, um, many children who are not ready to be uh, homeschooling independently and at home on their own are because, you know, mom or dad need to feed them. And so, you know, you've got, you know, the term latchkey kids, you've got an, um, a very high number of children who are now home alone, um, fending for themselves because their parent has been put in an impossible situation. So yes, I mean, this is where resources become so important. Um, turning to our neighbors, supporting one another, looking for solutions where, you know, the ability to support a family in need, um, these are the kinds of really, you know, heart-centered acts that become real game changers in terms of how families move through this. Isn't it sad? It's really, really sad. And it's this vicious cycle, I find, like the parents are stressed out on one level, the kids are stressed out on another level. Like I said, this is no way for them to learn. They're learning to read and write. And now all of a sudden they're put in front of this computer and they're typing and then there's autocorrect. So really, how are they learning right now? You start typing a sentence on the computer, you know, and it just finishes the sentence for you. So really, are they learning and what quality of education are they getting right now? I think that's um, really going to show itself in a few years. And once we, I mean, the, 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 the hope is now with herd immunity that, you know, we'll some point uh, hopefully soon see a turn in terms of the, the impact. Um, and we're really not going to know for many years what the implications are for our children in terms of not only their academic life and their education, but also from a social emotional standpoint, um, our, our youth are isolated from one another. And so they're missing out on years of the kinds of, um, you know, like face-to-face -face interactions where they develop their EQ and the capacity to, um, you know, develop empathy and um, relationship problem-solving skills. And I really worry about the, the gap group, those youth that are graduating and transitioning into adulthood where um, post-secondary is online or for those that aren't that on that track, um, uh, you know, they're again, more isolated, um, is difficulty uh, getting jobs in certain sectors. Um, and there's, it's just such a confusing landscape to them. And so all of this uncertainty makes it really difficult for them to just forge a future and get rooted in, in adult life. And we know that that group is more vulnerable to mental illness. Young people ages um, like 15 to 24 are far more likely to experience mental illness or substance use disorders than any other age group, and they're more vulnerable to suicide. So we also need to keep an eye on that group. I totally agree with you, Michelle. And honestly, um, I'm really happy that we're having this conversation today because I think that we need to have these talks. 
don't go anywhere because we'll be back with more tomorrow's Blue Monday. And the focus today is all on mental health. This is the Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Now back to the Parenting Show with Pina Crispo on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Parenting Show. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca. And we are talking all about Blue Monday on the show today and, and mental health. So tomorrow is Blue Monday. They say that it is the most depressing day of the year. And a lot of people around us are suffering right now. And they've been suffering for a very long time. This pandemic, COVID is not helping whatsoever. We've got Dr. Michelle Campbell is joining us and brand new coming in right now to the show. We've got Kevin Hines. He is an author, filmmaker, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Kevin, Michelle, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here with both of you. You joined me last year on the show when we spoke about Blue Monday. And so I was like, you know what? We need to get Kevin on again. We need to get Kevin on again because you have this amazing story. Um, just before you came on, Michelle and I were just, just talking about the state, the state of the world, what COVID's been like, uh, its impact on people, especially when it comes to mental health. And, and it's sad to say, but you know, we don't have as much help as we need to deal and cope with mental health, then we do say even COVID right now, right now you can line up and you can get a vaccine, you know, but sadly when it comes to mental health, it's not that easy. And so maybe you can share with us a little bit about, you know, your story. Sure. And, you know, to be fair, you know, COVID, you can get the vaccine and that's helpful. Um, But even, even with the vaccine, people are still getting, my wife and I got the vaccine, we got double vaxxed. We got the booster and we still got COVID. Um, yeah, but it's true. because of COVID, mental health crises in America and around the world are, are skyrocketing. Suicides are at an all time high. Uh, young Black children who are uh, ages five through 12 are actually attempting suicide more than ever, um, which is terrifying. I'm part Black and I, I'm part of the Black community, and it's, it's devastating to hear that and see that. Um, teenage girls are attempting to take their lives uh, at, a, at, a, at a much higher rate than pre-COVID. Um, we, we can't necessarily blame COVID for that. But we can say that oh. it was a causatory effect, having, a, uh, having a, a definite connection to this. And people who, in going and having, in being a person who is, uh, you know, best friends with the emergency room, due to all my physical ailments that I have, because of my compromised immune system, um, I, I go to these uh, ER visits and they tell me that more people than ever before are coming in for panic attacks. People that never had issues with their mental health before are coming in with panic attacks and, 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 and night terrors and all these kinds of things that they've never experienced. And so it's, it's devastating our nation and it's devastating our, our world. And we need to be voices for people in that kind of mental pain. We need to be stewards of change for people who are recognizing their own mental crises or mental health challenge or issue. And I think that in the year 2000, if, for those in the audience that don't know, um, as I live with bipolar depression, in the year 2000, I attempted to take my life by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And that's an attempt that is 99% fatal. 
as in 99% of the people that have attempted in the same way I did, they never again get to share their stories. They're gone forever. Why did I get to live? What is my purpose? And, and how can I help the cause? And so I lived that day. A sea lion literally came to my aid in the water, keeping me afloat until the Coast Guard boat arrived behind me, which is just miraculous in itself. Um, and I'll never forget. I don't think I told you this the last time we talked, Pina, but but when I went back to the Golden Gate Bridge with my father a year later, my dad my dad called me. I was in City College, and he says, "Hey, Kev, we're going for a drive." And I'm like, "Where are we going, Dad?" And he goes, "Like I said, for a drive." And that's just my dad's attitude. And and so when he says things twice, you do them. You know, that's the kind of thing yeah. that relates to with my pops. And so he picks me up at City College, and we're driving down 19th Avenue, which only goes to Park City, which only goes to the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm thinking, oh, God, Dad, I don't want to go back there. I, I can't do this, you know. And we pull over to Clement uh, Street where there's a, a police officer's union building and all these police officers in the windows and they're top brass because they have some kind of special function. And there's, all, there's this beautiful flower bed outside and all these police bikes and police cars. And my dad says, Kevin, jump out and pick a flower. And I'm like, Dad, I'm not picking a flower in San Francisco. You get arrested for stuff like that in San Francisco. I'm not picking a flower. Just pick a flower, we're, we're going. And so I picked a flower from the flower bed. No, no police chased us. We get to the Golden Gate Bridge parking lot. I'm having a panic attack. I am having a really hard time. I do oh not want to go back on that bridge. And it's the year to the date of my attempt, on, uh, obviously the anniversary at the time of my attempt. We go out and he says, show me exactly where. And I walk into the exact light rail where I jumped, where I attempted to take my life the year prior. And he, held, he grabs my left hand and his right. We say, our father and a Hail Mary. And I dropped the, I dropped the flower. It washed down very slowly. It hits the water, makes the tiniest of ripple effects. Hence the name of our film, two sides. Ripple effect. And two feet to the right pops up a sea lion. Wow. And it was arguably the most beautiful moment I've ever shared with my father next to him being the best man at my wedding. Uh, and there was no other choice. And, and I say that to say this. Just because you're in a world of pain today, does not mean you don't get to have that beautiful tomorrow, but you have to be here to get there in the first place. And I realize now that even though I live with chronic thoughts of suicide, I will never again attempt to take my life so long as I shall live. Although I have natural causes at the ripe old age of 112, lying next to my wife in a hospital setting, holding her hand, and I'm going to drift off into the abyss, like in the film The Notebook, I Never Stop Twice to Cry Dirty. That's my plan. There you go. Oh, that my incredible God. story. And oh, the level of um, courage um, that it's taken for you to, you know, forge ahead and, and do the, you know, uh, lean into your supports. And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm actually quite overwhelmed by everything that you just shared. And how incredible is your dad? He's wonderful. And, and by the way, so is my mom. You know, they, 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 they really raised me well. They raised me to be optimistic in the face of pain and struggle. And, you know, you know, I think about this a lot. What is pain, right? Yeah. In cultures around the world, they view pain differently. There are cultures around the world that literally produce opium for pain relief, but don't partake in it ever. And they do this because they look at pain as something to meditate through, whether it's emotional, physical, or otherwise. And 
if we can take a different perspective on what pain is, for example, I'm in excruciating physical pain right now because of my skin disease. You can see my face is red. My, mm -hmm. my hands are all red and, and, and swollen. Uh, I have a skin disease that is caused literally by the very medication I take to, to keep my mental health intact. It's, very, it's a very fine line I teeter on because if, if I go above the recommended numbers of my medication, then uh, even accidentally, I can be in a very dire place. And the physical pain that's caused by the skin disease is insurmountable. Um, it's completely overwhelming. But I, like you said, doctor, I lean into it. I don't, I don't shy away from it. I don't cry about it. I, I don't moan about it. I say, this is part of my journey. This is what I have to deal with. I'm trying to find holistic ways to get past it. I'm trying to find, you know, look into food as medicine and, and, and functional medicine as, as well. I'm learning what I can do to, to benefit my, or to, to, to diminish the pain. Uh, but I look at pain differently than most people. Pain is inevitable. It's coming for all of us if it hasn't already. Yeah. But suffering is optional, it's a choice. Yeah. And I say that and you, you, can, you can hear that and go, well, wait a minute, you know, I, everyone suffers, but we learn that term suffering from clinicians. You go into a clinician's office, I, at least I did. The, the, the first five psychiatrists I had told me I was suffering from mental illness, suffering from bipolar disorder, suffering from depression, or suffering from an eating disorder when I was, and I was. And I'm not ashamed to say it as a man. And I adopted that narrative and I made it my own. But that only made me the victim of my own story. Wasn't it until I realized that pain is inevitable and suffering is optional that I could become the hero of my own story and effort to suffer a day in my life. And I was born in a crack motel. So I think if, if you look at it differently, like the cultures around the world that look at pain and go, I got this. I sit here. I'm going to meditate to the pain and, and maybe it's not going to go away completely, but I'm going to make it so I can tolerate it. And I, I can live and I can even thrive. Well, you're naming something really important, which is the fact that um, suffering is part of our very human condition and, and the sensations of suffering, whether or not, you know, it might be physical, it may be mental, it may be caused by, um, mm -hmm the thought forms that are moving through, it may be a massive surge of anxiety, but it's all impermanent. And so when we begin to find ways to observe our pain rather than become our pain, then we can see that we have the capacity to just witness it as it arises, exists, and then dissolves and moves into a new experience. And so, you know, you've named meditation. Meditation is incredibly powerful. Um, it, it, you know, it goes beautifully hand in hand with therapy. There are times when medication is absolutely necessary. And so, you know, we cannot separate mind, body, and spirit. Um, I've been in the field of mental health now for 25 years. And I became incredibly frustrated by our Western model and the um, lack of ability for us to really address the whole being. And so I ended up going back to school and did a PhD in mind-body medicine because I felt that you know we were missing something really critical here in our Western culture. And Kevin, I love that you talked about 
um, the ways that other cultures really, um, you know, incorporate nature's medicine and support and rest and um, all of these other um, like Eastern modalities that really um, incorporate um, treatments that have been used for thousands of years. Yeah. And so we're missing the mark here. And, um, but when we really, you know, come home to our intuitive ability to heal and lean into nature, that that can answer a lot. It really can. Uh, I know we have a few minutes left, but we, you know, and, and the, 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 uh, the rise of functional medicine in, in Western society, it, it really inspires me to, to do something about my mental, physical, emotional health. Uh, using, using food as medicine and using meditation and breathing exercises and all of these things that you would, that some people just go, oh, that's just silly. Very important, very crucial to our well-being. Super, super important. You know, and I'm really glad that you said that just like Michelle uh, was talking about. A lot of people discount that stuff. You know, they're just like, oh, no, 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 that that's not for me. But you'd be surprised what, you know, just breathing exercises can do, meditation, eating the right foods, foods that fuel your body, foods as medicine, exactly like what you said, Kevin. Yes. And can balance out each other. Yeah, exactly. Incorporating the two um, yeah. is key, right? We are talking all about mental health on the show today. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back with Kevin Hines, Dr. Michelle Cambolis, and myself, Pina Crispo, ChicMama.ca. This is The Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to The Parenting Show with Pina Crispo on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is Sunday night and you are tuned into The Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The New Year, New You series continues on. And today we are focusing all on mental health because tomorrow is Blue Monday. What they say is the most depressing day of the year. And you know that I'm big on talking about mental health. I think that we need to discuss it. Um, I don't think it's something that we need to shy away from. And so here we are. We've got Dr. Michelle Campbell, a doctor of mind, body, and medicine. And Kevin Hines, author, filmmaker of The Ripple Effect, and suicide attempt survivor. The conversation, guys, has been going like, I, this, the last segment, I, didn't, I was just like all ears. I was just taking it all in. There is so much, so much going on um, in the world today, but for so long, for so long, people have been dealing and suffering with mental health, mental illness, suicide. Um, Kevin, you were talking a little bit about um, what it was like to go back to the Golden Gate Bridge a year after your attempt and your, more importantly, like survival. You know what I mean? The day that you started I would like to say a whole new life. Yeah, a whole new life, a whole new journey. Um, I look back on that day and I'm so grateful I got to survive, uh, especially given the numbers of the people who don't. Yeah, it's, it's been a blessing and a gift to live now 21 years past the day I should have died. 
I got to marry the love of my life, my wife and my very best friend, Margaret. I got to, for 10 years, have the best dog in the whole wide world, Max. Mm. Max Hines. And he was, he was like a little person, but he was hilarious. And, <laughs> uh, and he was, uh, he was my, my next best friend, if you will. Um, I got to see my dad be the best man at my wedding, which was unbelievable. Uh, got to, you know, in essence, watch my, gr- my brother grow up and my sister um, fill her potential, things I would never have seen. And I got to see my, my niece and nephew, my godchildren, be born in real time. That was an unbelievable experience. Uh, none of these things would have ever happened had I died, obviously. Yeah. And so I say to the people out there who are listening and watching right now, who are contemplating taking their lives, suicide is never the solution to your problem. Why? It is the problem. When you are in that much lethal emotional pain, it is your duty, even as hard as hard of a time as you're having, to ask for help from every person you come across until someone is willing to empathize with your pain. And to the people who are mentally sound and sane, it is your duty to offer help to people in lethal emotional pain. If you see someone actively crying on their own, putting their hands in their head, Invisible pain. As people who are doing okay, it is our responsibility, as it is everyone's responsibility, to try and prevent suicide. Now, that's no easy task. And it can be overwhelming to walk up to someone you don't know who looks like they're struggling because you never know how they're going to react. But I can tell you, as someone who has used those opportunities to change someone's life many times physically, People appreciate when you look them in the eye and you say, hey, are you okay? Is something wrong? Or can I help you? It's so true. I think it's so um, powerful to look at people that we we don't know and see them as our mother, our father, our brother, our sister, our partner, and and really, you know, connect in with the truth that... um, we really do have a responsibility to support this big human family. And, um, and Kevin, I, you know, I so appreciate that invitation. Um, I'm really curious to know, and I think a lot of listeners might want to hear about this part, Kevin, what are some of the key um, approaches and, um, and daily practices that have really made a difference for you because your, you know, story of resilience is, is incredibly inspiring. And I suspect that, um, there are some really key things that you incorporate into your life that are making a difference. And, and Kevin too, the fact that you go around and you speak to people all the time, you know, on this topic. Yeah. What is like, what's some of the advice that you give? Sure. And, and, you know, this is, this is great. You know, I'm, 
I'm in the process of writing my, two of my next books, and one's a sequel to my first book, Crack Not Broken, where I'm continuing the story of my life and my journey. Uh, and the next is, is, a, is a, a book about the 10 steps I utilize to stay mentally, physically, and emotionally stable and behaviorally stable. And so uh, we talked about one of the meditation. We talked about breathing exercises, which are really crucial. Uh, and so I do, I do uh, resonance breathing when I'm having a panic attack or anxiety or stress. And I do inhale through my nose for four seconds. I hold for four seconds. I release eight seconds, like pursed lips, like a whistle, but no sound for eight seconds. So four, four, eight. And I do that uh, 20 to 30 times, or I do it for 10 to 15 minutes at a time. I do that when I awaken. I do it in the afternoon before lunch. I do it in the evening before dinner. Um, and if I need to, if I'm having an anxiety or panic attack, I do it right at that time and when that's occurring, which is often enough for me. Uh, some of the other things I do, I exercise three to five days a week. I eat mostly non-inflammatory foods. There's two types of foods we can really look into. Everyone says there's all these food groups, but really there's inflammatory and non-inflammatory foods. And if you learn what those are, you can avoid certain illnesses and diseases and things like that that you're going through and, and certainly heal some parts of your body and your mind. Um, your brain is directly connected to your gut. Your gut is your second brain. Your gut uh, produces all your serotonin. If your gut is unhealthy, so is your brain. Um, and you're going to be dealing with things like brain fog, aggression, anxiety, depression. All these things can be caused by the foods you consume. Something to be very cognizant of. Those are just a few of the things we do, I do. But if you want to learn the, all the 10 steps, you go to youtube.com slash Kevin Hines, go in there and type in the art of wellness 2.0, and you'll find a video that's 22 minutes long with 10 steps, all designed to better your brain health. It's free. It's yours. Take it. Go. I love it. I love it, Kevin. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more right here on the parenting show. We're talking all about mental health right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Now, back to The Parenting Show with Pina Crispo from ChicMama.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Parenting Show. I'm your host, Pina Crispo of ChicMama.ca, and we're talking all about mental health on the show today. We've got Kevin Hines, suicide attempt survivor, author. He is a filmmaker. He is a speaker all around. Amazing dude. And uh, so happy to have him back on the show. And of course, my good friend, Dr. Michelle Campbellis, doctor of mind, body, medicine. I was looking at some numbers and it says that in any given year, one in five Canadians experience a mental health illness or addiction problem. Those numbers are high. One in five. Like, think about that. Think about it. And um, I know that I've had my moments with things, Michelle, I know you've had your moments with things. And of course, Kevin, like your story has always stuck with me. I came across it years ago, years ago, and my mouth dropped hearing it. And there was one part in particular. You said that the minute you, your hands left the rail of the Golden Gate Bridge and you jumped, that millisecond that they left, it was instant regret. It was an instant regret the moment my hands left the rail. And I, you know, I never can forget uh, the bus ride on to the, to the bridge. Uh, I sat there in the very back seat in the middle row, crying like a child, hoping, wishing, and praying that one person would look at me 
and say something kind and compassionate. Hey, kid, are you okay? Brother, is something wrong or pal? Can I help you? The, the three questions I mentioned earlier in the, in the, in the, in the show, um, I just wanted someone to see me and to say something. And I told my, I made a pact with myself, but it's like many suicidal people do. It's almost instinctual. If one person says or does this or a variation of it, I'll tell them everything and I'll beg them to save me. And there I sat on that bus, hoping, wishing, and praying that one person would do this. And yet no one did. In fact, one person turned to the guy next to him and said, what the hell's wrong with that kid? With a smile on his face. It was devastating. Uh, the bus gets to the Golden Gate Bridge parking lot. Obviously, you know what happens next. It was it was terrible, and uh, and it was very difficult. And it was a big struggle. Um, and then I attempted, and I, I'm so lucky I got to survive. I'm so blessed to see lion save my life. I'm so grateful to the Coast Guard for the next piece to saving my life. And I'm even so blessed that the surgeon at the hospital, one of the foremost back surgeons on the West Coast happened to be at the hospital. He was supposed to have left that day, but he stayed for whatever reason. And he opted to do my surgery, the first and only of its particular kind. It's never happened before. It's never happened again. He saved me the ability to stand, walk, and run. I'm very lucky, possibly one of the most lucky people on the face of the planet. And thankful that, um, that you're here to talk about this and to be able to support and... Um, well, just inform this is share, right? Michelle, just share your story because there are so many people that are probably listening and they're struggling and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to cope. And they're thinking that suicide may be the only solution that maybe they're a burden to everyone in their lives. And like, you know what, maybe it's, maybe everyone will be better off if I'm out of here and maybe it'll be the best thing for me. Yeah. And you know, when, when there's um, an in chem a chemical imbalance in the brain, the, the mind tells us things that are fundamentally untrue. And we're so used to um, believing the voice in our own head. Um, it's, it's so difficult, you know, during those times of instability to see that, that the, the mind isn't actually reliable. And so that's where it really takes, and this is Kevin's point, and it's such an important one that um, we really need to pay attention and, and, and react and be available to one another because we cannot expect someone who is in that level of suffering to be able to guide themselves towards the solution. That's where we need to be aware and pay attention and respond in a way that's um, going to really ensure that they're getting the supports that they need. Michelle, I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad that I have the both of you guys on the show today, because we've got two totally different angles here. You know, Michelle, when it comes to um, mental health, what are some of the things that, that you as a doctor in mind body medicine would tell people at home listening? Okay, this is what I would suggest doing. That can help. Well, that's such a great question and the solution forward is different for everybody. Um, you know, your healing path is as unique as you are. And there are evidence-based practices, there are scientifically supported uh, approaches that can be incredibly helpful deciding which ones to choose 
can be difficult. So that's where it's important to have a support system, a professional in your life that can help you to be able to kind of come home to your natural capacity to self-heal. And we are incredibly resilient. And um, so for some people, it may mean working on their sleep life. For others, it may be um, trauma therapy, uh, EMDR, addressing some of those situations from the past that are still affecting their limbic system. For others, it, you know, it may be meditation and moving their body or working on their relationships. So, you know, it's important to really trust your capacity to self-heal and lean into your supports so that um, you're able to live in your highest well-being. And Michelle, you have uh, your newest book, When Women Rise. Yes. And in it, you've got a lot of the, and it was funny because off the air, we were talking about it because a bunch of the stuff that Kevin said that he's doing, um, the meditation, the um, eating the right foods, using food as medicine, uh, so on and so forth, are things that you actually talk about in your book. And you've got QR codes, right? Well, this is it. I wanted to create a book that would provide access for everyone to be able to incorporate these kind of mind body health practices, the kind of practices that I work with clients on. And so it has um, QR codes, 25 of them, where you can do breath work, meditation, progressive muscle relaxation, all of these practices Um, that really should be available to everybody because they really bolster our mind-body health. So you got to go, you got to go pick up her book. Then you got to jump over to Kevin's YouTube channel, right, Kevin? Yeah, you just go to (laughs) youtube.com slash Kevin Hines or type in Kevin Hines on YouTube. And we have a mental hack every Friday. So a brand new tool you can use to balance your brain health every single Friday coming your way. They're coming in hot. Uh, and the, our new Hindsights podcast, uh, Hindsight is always 2020. My last name is Hines. It works perfectly. Uh, <laughs> H-I-N-E-S-I-G-H-T-S podcast. And that has three podcasts a week, every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday drop on every podcast platform you can think of with some of the greatest interviews, with some of the greatest minds in the fields of mental health and some celebrities and, and the like. So it's great. So if any of you guys are suffering, just know that you're not alone. If you're battling and you're looking for some help with coping, speak to people, go seek help. And you can also start with these two people right here, Dr. Michelle Cambolis and Kevin Hines. You know, you have access to books, videos, podcasts, all of that amazing stuff. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today to the both of you guys, much love. And, uh, and for all of you guys at home that tuned in to listen, this is The Parenting Show right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And I'm your host, Peter Crispo of Chic Mama Gatio.